0: absolutely loaded show today we're talking college baseball conference tournaments we're answering a question about last year's first round college pitchers and we're talking to the SEC co-player of the year Sonny DeShara who is draft eligible let's talk about it
1: you are locked on MLB prospects part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Yes, welcome. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsay Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day and absolutely loaded show. This is the time of year where MLB's in full swing. We've gotten past some of the service time manipulation stuff. We've listened to yesterday's show, we talked about that. And, college baseball's hitting the postseason. So, we're about to see a bunch of these guys go out, perform, and then get drafted high in July. So, a couple things we need to make sure that we cover as we enter the conference tournaments. First, uh, the biggest storyline of this whole thing is number one overall seed Tennessee. They haven't, they've, they've pretty much locked it in now. And, no number one overall seed has won the College World Series in this century. It happened in 1999. Miami did it. But it's not happened this year. So I'm anxious to see what's going to happen. Uh, They play their first game of the SEC tournament on Wednesday. But uh, outside of that, going to be a lot of fun things to watch. Do need to mention the, uh, the college baseball player of the year. It's going to be Ivan Melendez out of Texas. Uh, redshirt junior he's draft eligible he will get taken um he you know and it's something where his nickname that the fans have given him is the hispanic titanic it's the rhyming the rhyme is the thing but 421 average one percentage point off of best in the country 28 home runs leads the country 85 RBIs, four off of the, the the lead. Just absolute destruction. Tied the Texas record for home runs in a season. Obviously, there's a conference tournament, and then there's uh, the postseason to go, so he's going to obliterate that and just having an absolutely massive season. But when you look at some of the different tournaments, some of the different conferences, kind of have to... SEC tournament starts on Tuesday. Uh, I think it's like 9.30 in the morning. Central, they're playing in Hoover, Alabama, four games a day. The first, I think it's first four days and then it's two and then it's one and one. So, uh, the, the odds on winner for this whole thing, like I said, is going to be Tennessee, but a sleeper to me, I think is going to be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's a team. Uh, if you follow baseball, professional baseball and where those players come from, you know, all about, um, Vanderbilt, they call them the Vandy boys. It's been a, it's been a kind of a rocky season, but they've got tons of pitching talent. They have a, a guy who's going to be a first rounder next year in center field, and Enrique Bradfield Jr. going to be an absolutely fantastic. The ACC tournament starts on Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be on the ACC network. You can watch this. I think the winners probably going to be uh, Virginia. This whole thing is held at Truist at Truist Field in Charlotte, very hitter friendly park, and I just see Virginia. Um, and Virginia Tech both having great setups here. Virginia Tech's got a lot more of that uh, that draftable talent like Gavin Cross and Jack Hurley, but I think that's gonna that that's gonna be a great matchup. Sleeper pick there's got to be Wake Forest. Uh, Big Twelve tournament is gonna be in Arlington. That is gonna be um, at Globe Life Field. So giant cavernous thing there. I think Texas is probably gonna be the favorite to win that. Um, not. Tops in the Big 12 right now, but I feel like their game translates best to that field. But Oklahoma State has the pitching depth. It's going to be an interesting matchup as well. West Virginia, I think, is a good sleeper there too. They have a good style for tournament play. They score runs in bunches. Uh, the The pitching can hold up when it needs to. That's going to be really interesting to watch. The Pac-12, for the first time, is having a tournament. Uh, they're having it in Scottsdale, Arizona. So, you know, Arizona in late May. It's going to be hot. Uh, but I think I think Oregon State's the favorite here. They briefly had number one back when Tennessee dropped it. But Oregon State, deep roster, great pitching staff, led by a uh, guy we talk about all the time, Cooper Herpe. I uh, really think they're probably going to do it. Oregon's, I think, a good sleeper. They score runs in, uh, in, in bunches. I think they're the second highest scoring team in the Pac-12. Obviously, I mean, all of the conferences, there's... There's so the way that this works just to kind of clarify if you're not sure about this um there are 33 conference ter- 31 33 conf- a lot of conference tournaments. So ha- just about half the spots in the postseason are decided 31 conferences are decided by who wins the conference tournament. The other that's 31, the other 33 spots are all at large. So that's where your RPI comes into play. That's where your strength of schedule comes into play, and then that's where there's that small part about can your ballpark meet the requirements to host as far as capacity and facilities and things like that. So when you go down and you look at some of these some of these leagues, it actually says uh, the highest rank, like the automatic qualifying spot, goes to the highest available seed that can meet facility criteria. The Horizon League doesn't, or the Horizon Conference doesn't have a tournament. The highest available seed that meets the facility criteria gets the spot. Um, Mid-American, same way. They don't have a tournament. The Southland has uh, the number one and number two seeds. Both get in. And then it's the highest remaining seeds for the final spots. But all of these other conferences, one guaranteed spot. Everybody else has to play their way in. So what you're trying to do is, one, you're trying to make the field. So a field of 64. you're going to be a one or two or three or a four seed, so you're trying to make the field. From there, the goal is you want to be, uh, if possible, you want to be a one seed because a one seed means you get to host the regional, and then if at all possible, you want to be a, a top eight seed because that means if you advance to a super regional, you would get to host that as well. You would be at home for that. So, lots of great college baseball coming up, starting on. Tuesday running all the way through the long weekend most of these are supposed to finish up the 28th or the 29th because at noon eastern on Monday May 30th that's when they announce the official bracket of 64 teams who is hosting who is not and where everybody's going to be so lots of college baseball to watch this week lots of draft eligible guys you can check out and in just a minute. I want to get to some of last year's star college pitchers, including quite a few we saw in the College World Series, uh, and where they are this year as far as the guys that were drafted in the first round. Where are they? Uh, which affiliate are they at? What level are they in? But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find out the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the NBA playoffs. Managing baseball scores, fights. Uh, next season, like UFC and stuff. Not just like street fights. UFC. And ulti- whatever. Uh, MMA. They're different. I don't know. Um, next season's NFL futures. All of that's in there. Uh, obviously, we've been going on rookie of the year odds. We're due for an update on that in probably about two weeks or so. It'd be great to see how that's changed in a couple weeks. But BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Online is where the game starts. Okay, so there were eight pitchers drafted, or eight college pitchers drafted in the first round last year. And it's kind of interesting the distribution of where they are. So uh, obviously college pitcher is going to be a lot more prepared than a high school pitcher is. Going to be a a, you know a lot more able to like much better able to go ahead and compete at a higher level. They're more of a finished product. They're more polished. That's why the Angels took nineteen college pitchers out of their twenty picks last year. Um, One high school guy, and then one of the college guys didn't sign. He came back, so they signed nineteen pitchers from the draft, and eighteen were um, eighteen were college guys. So the highest drafted was number two overall, Jack Leiter from. Vanderbilt he's a Vandy boy was drafted by the Rangers uh, and he was actually because of the COVID year he was a fourth year sophomore he had only you know hadn't competed as much as a lot of other guys but he is in Double A right now so he's with the Frisco Rough Riders he's already I believe the number one or number two prospect in that system depending on who you who you talk to which thing you look at there's a possibility very remote. There's a possibility he may be like a September call up, pitch a game or two at the big league level, see how he does, and then compete for a job out of spring training next year. Wouldn't be the first time that a guy was called up the same year that he was drafted. If anybody does it, I feel like of this entire group, um, it would be Jack Lider simply because he is so advanced. Uh, He's been doing this for so long and he knows what he's doing. Obviously, the bloodlines help his dad Al and all of that. So, yeah, number two overall in the draft is the number two overall prospect for Texas and is at double A. The next guy, guy we talked about just last week, Sam Bachman. So Sam Bachman uh, went to Miami of Ohio. He was a fourth year junior, was taken at nine by the Angels. And as we talked about last week, he is in double A and is doing rather well for himself. I don't think he would be a call-up this year. He feels like a guy that, if he has a great year, you move him up to AAA part, uh, later in, later this year, and then you let him compete for, for a job out of spring training next year. I could be wrong, though. They've already called up Chase Silseth from last year's draft, and he's already at the big league level. Uh, I think taking so many college pitchers is a sign that they are okay with them getting to the big league sooner rather than later because they need pitching at the big league level. Right now, a lot of what they are doing is around Shohei Otani and Patrick Sandoval, which you love former prospect Sandoval to be clicking on all cylinders and figuring it out, but they need some more help. And so, you know... um You've already seen Silseth come up. You may see Sam Bachman come up later this year. I don't know. It feels like he's a 23 guy. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. So, we'll see what happens there. Number 10, kind of an infamous one here, Kumar Rocker. Also out of Vanderbilt. Watched him have a great duel in the College World Series. Um, Mets took him, and we all know the story here. They saw something in the medicals that they said they did not like. So, they offered him... uh, They the, the, the verbal agreement that they have, they tore it up. They gave him a much lower deal. Ended up not signing him, not giving him a signable offer, from what I understand. At least not one that was publicized. They got a compensatory pick in the first round this year, which tells me they extended him some sort of offer. I just don't think it was a very good one or a very legitimate one. So because of that, uh, he did not sign. He's the highest uh, player to not sign in last year's draft. He is right now in the uh, frontier league. He is going to probably play, probably do about two or three starts, and then enter the draft process again to get drafted. And I feel like one, the issue there is if teams know, oh well, we just don't have to sign him. Nobody else gets his rights, and we get a first round pick le- uh, next year. You lower the incentive to do what's right by the player. It wasn't right that he didn't. They did not give him a signable offer. And that he did not get to play for a year. So, a couple things that have changed. One thing that did not change, but I think that should, is if you don't get, uh, is you get to be a free agent if your team doesn't sign. And they, they kind of tweak that. So, the way it works now, uh, this is, we're going to call it the Kumar Rocker rule. It's pretty much what it is. The way that this works is before the draft, I would assume the combine, you go through a physical with MLB approved doctors. Those medicals are given to all 30 teams. If you are drafted, and I believe it's in the top 10 rounds or top 15. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. If you are drafted, those teams already have had access to your medicals. They are required. There's a couple things they're required to do. Number one, they are required to offer you a deal that is at least 75% of slot value. So if your slot value is, you know, is, is $4 million, they are required to offer you at least three to sign. Okay, thing number one. And that is so Kumar Rocker that, you know, they saw his elbow. They would be required. They knew it was there. They would have known it was an issue when they drafted him and would have been required to offer him 75% of the value versus the rumored like 25% or whatever tiny thing it was. Uh, Change number two. If you do not sign that player by, and I think it's some date in like late August, Uh, But the date is chosen to correspond with the college enrollment calendar. If you do not sign that player who you had his medicals, you're required to offer 75%. If you end up not signing him, he becomes a free agent. He doesn't go back in the pool for the next year. He doesn't have to go back to college. He can either choose to go back to college or he becomes a free agent and can negotiate with anybody. That's the change that I like because it empowers the player and it doesn't punish them because a team decides, oh, well, we're going to cheap out. We're going to offer you, you know, we're going to, we're going to cheap out and offer you less or something like that. Like, I like that change because even if you draft a senior who has no eligibility left, you still can't lowball him and, and, and not give him enough money because you ha- you have to give him 75% or else he can be a free agent. I like that rule. Anyway, back to this list. So number 14, guy you'll remember, workhorse of the College World Series champion, Mississippi State Bulldogs, Will Bedner. So Will Bedner, uh, 14th pick by the Giants. Interesting thing here, the season was so long for him, he only threw seven innings after the draft last year. So you draft a little bit later in the year, you have time to get into a short season thing, rookie ball, whatever, only threw seven innings. So right now, he is in A-ball. He's not in high A. He's not in double A. He's an A ball. So, interesting assignment there. I figured. I mean, I he's he was born in two, in two thousand, so he's twenty two. You remember our ages thing from yesterday? I mean, it's it it kind it kind of tracks with that with with single A. I feel like he probably needs to be in high A sooner rather than later. I'd love for him to do that, but this is something where in essence this year was his first taste of professional baseball and right now he's got he uh, he's appeared in 8 games thrown 27 innings um sporting a 3.58 ERA so 33 strikeouts 15 walks he's allowing a, a 132 batting average whip is just under 1 so um not necessarily dominating a ball but he's holding his own and i think that's something where Obviously, as he gets a little more, you know, a little more confidence underneath him and acclimates to the level, they're going to go ahead and bump him to high A, I'd imagine, probably within the next month or so, simply because they want to get him moving along. Gunnar Hogland, uh, 19th overall pick out of Old Miss, was drafted and signed with the Blue Jays. He's recovering from Tommy John, so he is not playing right now, but he was traded. He was part of the Matt Chapman deal, so he got traded from Toronto to the Oakland Athletics. So he switched organizations in the middle of rehab from Tommy John. I imagine that's probably a little bit tricky and interesting because you got to have medical staffs get together, and I'm sure there's probably something in there about they had access to his medicals before just to kind of see how he was progressing. Interesting thing there. So number 21, Jordan Wicks, Kansas State lefty. I don't believe they were in the College World Series last year, but drafted by the Cubs, signed. He is in high A right now, which is kind of where a lot of college players will start their career. Uh, Jack Leiter, Sam Bachman, very much the exception versus the rule. You don't, uh, taking a college guy straight to double A, his first full season is an aggressive promotion. So, high A. More of typically what you would see. Same thing with the number 23 guy, Gavin Williams out of East Carolina. Uh, same thing. Drafted by the Guardians. He is in high A as well. Again, makes sense. That's kind of where you'd expect him to be. Uh, the last college pitcher taken in the first round, Ryan Cusick out of Wake Forest, the righty, by the Braves. He was also traded to the Athletics. That one was the Matt Olson deal. So the Athletics... Um, end up, so it's funny. They draft an infielder last year, Max Muncy, the high schooler, not different Max Muncy. How confusing is that? So they draft a high schooler, a high school infielder, and then in trades, they trade for two college pitchers from last year's first round. So, yeah, um, yeah, so Ryan Cusick is a member of the A's now. He is also in double A. So again, aggressive promotion, um, and it's something where those Wake Forest guys are considered not to be finished products, but very polished as pitchers. Wake Forest has a th- has a pitching lab, very uh, very high tech with motion capture and all that kind of stuff, where they can go in there and they can like they they work on pitchers and can help break down kinetic chain and fix all kind of small issues. And so Wake Forest pitchers are seen as pretty pretty polished as far as uh, like mechanics and fundamentals and things like that. Now some of them don't have as much projection on their development because they've already taken one of those leaps while they were there at Wake Forest. Interesting side thing there, just from talking to player development people. But, yeah. Um, aggressive promotion to Double I think he'll do fine. He's a good play- <laughs> he's a good player and a good pitcher. And in just a minute, I want to let you talk to another good player, Auburn first baseman Sonny DeShera. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, co-SEC player of the year. And he actually uh, was named to the Dick Houser Award watch list. Um, when we interviewed him, he had been named to the watch list. He had not yet been named SEC Co-Player of the Year, so that's why we don't address it in the interview. Uh, it's something where we we caught him between the end of the regular season and the beginning of draft prep. I'm sorry, the beginning of postseason play. So he he's on Tuesday night. He plays Game One of the postseason in the SEC tournament. And this is really an interesting and kind of tricky time to get a draftable prospect out of college on the show because they're so focused on the postseason. And you can hear it in here. I'm you know, I'm talking to him a little bit about draft stuff and about MLB stuff. And he's kind of, rightfully so, focused on college. So we're going to do more of these. We're going to have more of these draftable prospects as we get closer to the draft. It's just kind of tough this early in the year to get one specifically to talk about the draft and going pro. We can. They're going to talk about the season that was, they're going to talk about the postseason, and then we'll be able to do more MLB draft stuff as the postseason's wrapping up, as teams get eliminated, um, and as they're able to shift from their college seasons towards draft prep. We'll be able to have some of them on here and do that. So, interview with Sonny the Share coming up in just a second, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Athletic Green's. This is a product that I use literally every single day. I start taking AG One um, because I have celiac disease, and I because of that I don't absorb nutrients from my food the way that most people do. And so I've always had to take a bunch of uh, multivitamins and supplements and things like that. It's a lot of a lot of money, a lot of pills to be taken every day because I'm not getting enough iron or whatever it may be. Well, at, with AG One, with one scoop, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals whole food source, superfoods, and probiotics. Um, It is very, very easy. You wake up first thing in the morning. Again, it's one scoop. You drop it into a a cup of water, shake it up. Uh, That's it. You don't have to take a ton of pills, a ton of supplements, and things like that. So you can reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/slash MLB Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
1: Auburn First Baseman, Sonny Deshara joining us for the next few minutes here on Locked On Auburn and Locked On MLB prospects, a little crossover action here on the locked on podcast network sunny the the postseason is finally here uh, as you guys are getting ready to travel up to uh to hoover um a day earlier than you guys were probably expecting to going into this past weekend but what uh what are your thoughts going into this uh, conference tournament
2: oh it's definitely going to be a good time man now this is uh, i've looked forward to doing something like this my whole life being from hoover so I mean, it's going to, it's going to be good to go down there and just try to get a couple games and eventually try to win the whole thing. It's going to be a long week. That's for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and when it comes to a thing like a conference tournament for some, somebody like the SEC, the top conference in amateur baseball, there's going to be a lot of MLB scouts who are there watching these games, checking out what's going on. Um, I know that you're kind of focused on obviously winning the tournament and doing what you have to do, but, uh, what do you think that MLB scouts are looking to see from you as they're getting their draft boards ready for the draft in July?
2: Nah, I, I wish I could tell you on that. I, I don't know, man. I, obviously that's something I've been looking forward to as well. Just getting the opportunity to play it at the next level. And, um, you know, we're just going to keep, keep focused on this postseason and just see how things roll out and see how things end up at the end of the year. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it, man.
0: Yeah. yeah and, Talking about the year, you just finished a regular season uh, batting 382, 25th in the country, um, on base of 561, slugging of 782. So you led the entire country in walks per game with with almost 1.2 walks per game. Um, Did you expect that when you transferred up into the SEC that, that you would lead the league and lead the country in walks?
2: Uh, yeah, I didn't, no, that's definitely something I did not think that was going to happen. Uh, I mean, I think I think in my I think last year I ended up having like forty nine walks or something like that, and then mm-hmm. my freshman year I had I don't know maybe thirty something, and I don't know man that's sixty how many walks is like 64, sixty four, fifty seven, sixty five walks. walks, man, it's a lot.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, 57 walks. Yeah, it, fifty seven it's, it's walks a lot, in forty
1: eight
0: games.
2: It, yes. <laughs>
1: I mean, and it's gotta be cool to see, you know, the, you know, coach Thompson kind of moved around the the batting order towards the end of the season to kind of, you know, um, kind of base that around you. So other teams wouldn't do that as much and it didn't really slow anybody down, but like, that's gotta be such a huge compliment of, man, this is what my head coach thinks of me. And he's willing to kind of change the approach to kind of, you know, better suit me. That's gotta be a cool thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I've i never hit a two hole before. And, uh, <laughs> I think I, I think my first two time hitting two all was game two against Alabama. And I mean I it doesn't it's not really a difference to me. But I mean I, if it you know if it's gonna help us try to maneuver some wins and trying to get around the game, I mean that's fine with me, man. It it really hadn't put like put a difference on me.
1: Was there any talk uh of you leading off? Any talk at all?
2: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> you didn't lobby for it or I don't anything? Think I can lead off.
2: <laughs> no, I I think I'm uh I think I'm one group I think I'm one stolen base short
0: of that. No, so no no Fair no, no lead off so so as you get to this postseason what like i know that obviously the goal is for the team to win obviously for auburn to go deep into the sec tournament uh hopefully get a top eight seed to host for the for the regionals but uh personally like what what kind of goals do you have what do you want to do in this sec tournament and then in the postseason
2: well, obviously we want to win this thing we want yeah. to win this thing coming up um so like at Sanford, we had to if we wanted to even chance to go into a regional, we had to win the SoCon tournament. And that's how it is for every, you know, every SOCON team. And so yeah. just like having that in the back of my mind and two other Sanford guys here too. So we just know that and we know how difficult it is just to be even being a an regional. And, you know, we put ourselves in a good spot to uh to get into a regional and hopefully host one. But I think I think we gotta do some work in Hoover if we wanna be one of those nat- top eight seeds, those top eight national seeds.
1: Sonny, what's the dynamic of you guys playing Kentucky again? I mean, you you just went up there and, and played them, and then you get to play them in, in Hoover. What is that like?
2: I don't, I don't even know. man. I don't, I don't know what playing a team four times in a row is like. Uh, like last year, uh, we played since COVID and all that, so we played, there was seven other teams in the conference, and so we played three of those teams six times, and that was super weird. Just seeing another team six times, I, I don't. It's, it's definitely going to be a weird feeling, but uh, I hope hopefully, we can get the better of them this time. We can sure. hopefully we can play a game under with uninterrupted weather and just play a full three hours. Settle a debate About nine that hours, we,
0: yeah, for real. Settle <laughs> a debate that we had. How much different is it playing on turf versus playing on grass and clay? Because Kentucky is one of those college teams that has everything, but the mound is artificial. Like, how different is that for a, for a fielder and then for a for a runner
2: uh so what the faster guys say is that running on turf makes them faster which i don't experience that much <laughs> but i mean as if like as like playing it on it goes i mean there's obviously a difference but like on turf you know you're just not gonna get that bad hop it's gonna be more bouncy like choppers are gonna be bouncy and balls that get down in the outfield are gonna be more bouncy but i'd rather play on dirt and grass 10 out of 10 but I mean there's not that much of a difference to be honest with you. You just I guess really the the pace the pace of the ball and the pace of play might be a little quicker on turf just to, just because of how it's built.
0: Okay. And then kind of to build off of that, when you play at a place like Hoover that has those larger dimensions than most of the 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 college places that you play at, how does that change your approach as a hitter as far as well now you know now it's 410 down the line versus 380 or something like that. How does that change things for you?
2: Yeah. Um, it doesn't really change much for me. I'm mean, I'm still just trying to hit that double in the gap that you know could get over the fence, and so I think uh, we we played at Kentucky's this past weekend, and so I mean their field is huge. Uh, it's about it's probably the same dimensions as uh, Hoover's three thirty down the line and four hundred in center, but uh down the right field line might be a little bit shorter in Kentucky than Hoover. But I mean I've played at Hoover probably twenty five games in my career, you know throughout high school, and so. I mean, I've just been able to just know how that park flies, and some days it flies, and some days it doesn't. So, I mean, just hitting line drives there is just going to be the key.
1: And then the chance where you guys are going to play pretty late um, Tuesday night—that'll probably be the latest uh, first pitch of the season. Does that play into anything?
2: No, not not really. I think uh, I mean I've been going to those going to those late games at Hoover that ended like two or three a.m. my whole life, and uh, I was just always thinking about how cool it'd be to be a part of them. So. Oh really? Oh uh, okay. no, I mean yeah. I mean those are they just that, those are the most packed games. I mean everybody's there to watch those. And uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to that. Hopefully the weather stays away, but it's supposed to be some bad weather next week. Right. Or this week, I mean. Yeah.
0: We're looking forward to getting to watch you in the tournament and getting to let these scouts and things like that see you see your game. Uh give me a, the name of a teammate that maybe isn't well-known to people who are preparing for the MLB draft and things like that, but a guy that absolutely can play at the next level and is draft eligible that we should be paying attention to next week.
2: Um, You know, I want to say all my teammates, you know, but <laughs> I don't, I mean, the guy that's really draft eligible, uh, Blake Rambush has just been lights out this year. He's uh, he, me and him are the same age, same grade. And so, and he's just, he's held down that corner. He could play any position on the field and he's, I don't know, maybe he's hitting around 350. He's just that solid leadoff piece, and and he's a baller.
0: He's hitting 351 with 80 hits. He actually leads the SEC in hits. And if I remember right, there was a point in the season where he had an on-base streak dating back two years to Grayson College before it finally got broken this year. Yeah, uh, 351, 431, 461 for, for Blake Rambo. So a guy that can play at third, can play and he play, has some starts in the outfield, has led off almost every game except when he's hitting behind you and then stealing some bases. Mm-hmm. So, definitely a guy to, to be watching for for the
1: SEC tournament. Yeah. Sonny, so, thank you for your time, bud. Really appreciate it. And best of luck this weekend up in Hoover. Hey, yeah, thank you, guys.
0: Fantastic interview with Sonny DeShera. Um, glad to have him on. Best of luck to Auburn uh, in the SEC tournament, which, again, starts tonight. Uh, the games are probably on. When you're listening to this, Auburn plays their first game sometime around seven or eight p.m. I believe the whole thing's going to be on SEC Network Plus. If you want to follow him uh, and his team along, if reminder, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm, or you can email us lockedonmlbprospects at gmail.com. But until then, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects. Um.